0: Dear Church Family, this Lord's Day morning we'll be considering Martha and Mary's hosting of the Lord Jesus Christ. These two sisters, their hosting of the Lord Jesus Christ and His disciples in their home in the village of Bethany, verses thirty-eight through to the end of Luke ten. We know from John's Gospel eleven that their brother was poor old Lazarus, wasn't wasn't it? And so this family was much loved by the Lord, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. We know also that the Lord really had his special love, his peculiar love set upon this family, despite their brokenness in this world, despite the many problems they had in this world. Remember also that it was Mary who anointed the Saviour's feet, Christ's feet. Remember with with that oil, that expensive oil, and washed his feet as it were, believing that indeed it was the Lord Jesus who was the Christ, the Saviour. She believed that the Lord was going to pay for her sins. And it was more than likely that Martha, dear friends, was a widow, Hence our first verse in verse 38 that says Martha received him, that is Christ, unto her house, into her house. And so this intimates to us that she had inherited the house from her deceased husband and shows you was a widow. But we see here, despite this family standing in this world, the Lord's This Lord's special care and love for these dear people. Now Martha was an honourable woman. As a widow she was willing to receive the Lord Jesus and his disciples into her house and tend to them. And we could say at great expense providing food for them taking the time. And remember that wasn't a popular thing to do in those days. The Lord Jesus was a man that was... Uh, not light, there was danger attached to this, this would have been frowned on by many, but she loved the Lord, and the cost was worth it for her, to host the Lord. And so it's true to say that Martha was an honourable woman, she was a believer, she loved the Lord. It's true what 1 Timothy 5.10 says of widows, that are widows indeed, those who are Uh, worthy to be taken in by the church, um, that they are well reported of good works. And she lodged strangers, and she had diligently followed every good work. This is true of Martha. She was such a saint as this, a heart for the Lord and for the Lord's people. Now, this being true, dear friends of Martha, did not mean that she was a perfect woman. She made mistakes, like we all do. And dear friends, the Lord shines a spotlight upon Martha's particular fault here. Uh, for our learning, you know, whom the Lord chasteneth. He he loves, doesn't he, dear friends? The Lord, because he loved Martha, he wanted to correct her. And this, dear friends, is true of all God's true blood bought children. Like I said, Hebrews twelve six for whom the Lord loveth he chasteneth you see if you are without chastening as what one of God's true people then you must question if you're truly a, a blood-bought child of God because who the Lord chastens he loves he corrects us he refines us often through the fiery furnace of affliction and we listen to that reproof don't we we refine we listen. We humbly sit at the feet, as it were, of our Saviour. Now friends, Martha's shortcomings in today's passage here, today's account, can teach us what is truly needful in this life. What is truly needful in this life. That's our theme. What is truly going to matter in the latter end? Well, we are told in verse 39 that Martha's sister Mary sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Mary, Martha's sister, sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. You can just imagine the scene, can't you? The Lord comes in with his disciples into this house. They were very gracious to put them up, as it were, to entertain them, to provide for them. And we see here the first thing that Mary does is humbly, submissively, attentively come, sit at the feet of Christ, uh, accommodating his word, ready to receive his word. There's no sense here of them being in a hurry, but we can see dear Martha here, can't we? Getting a bit stressed out, as it were, with the workload. Starting to intensify in their mind, well, I've got to get all these things done. But we see here there's no... uh, There's no sense here of, there's a hurry, there's a panic here. Then we are told, aren't we, in verse 40, that Martha was cumbered about much with serving, and came to him, that's the Lord Jesus, and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And again, you can imagine the scene. There's Martha, as it were, and she sees her sister, Mary, sitting at the feet of Jesus with the disciples of the Lord. They're all attentively listening, humbly hanging on each word. The Lord is giving them a discourse. Perhaps he's more clearly explaining the gospel in private to his blood-bought children what will come to pass, and there's Martha. She comes in, and she's getting stressed out. Because of the workload. Perhaps she's eyeballing her sister. who's She's who's saying, come on, you're supposed to be helping me. She, she's not wanting to make a scene. But her emotions, you see, are starting to get the better of her. She perhaps was a bit of a perfectionist. And she was trying to get all, everything ready by herself. But we don't have any sense here. That there was a hurry. But you see, dear friends. Her mind's now racing. She's starting to get emotionally gripped to the task that lays ahead of her. Lots of troubles start entering in her mind. Lots of anxieties start coming in. She's starting to intensify now. And friends, for a while, Martha gets distracted. As all true believers can do. Remember, she's a believer at this stage. All true believers can do. She gets momentarily Distracted from the real reason why the Lord Jesus came in to that house. Hence the words the Lord says in verse 41 and 42. He says, Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away. From her. And so, friends, what can we learn from the Saviour's loving and gentle reproof? To Martha, what can we learn? Well, firstly, let us understand that like Martha, we too can be comforted about with much labour, much toil, much serving, that is, to very little profit to our souls, even though it can be, our intentions can be right. Now don't get me wrong, Martha was doing a good thing by serving the Lord and his disciples, but she temporarily got sidetracked, you see? She's temporarily got distracted, and that old nature, that all those old besetting sins started to set in and kick in once again. Inordinate, worldly cares. And trouble started to intensify her heart and emotions and started to prevail over her spiritual thinking. Anxiety started to trouble her and intensify her emotions until it boiled over, as it were. And she started to become critical of her sister. Didn't she? And she even questioned the Saviour Himself. Perhaps, dear friends, like Martha, you too, and I, at times, we can be comforted about by many cares of this life. The many cares, the many stresses, the many troubles that we have to contend with often see, friends, we can lose our heavenly perspective in life. The many problems, the many, perhaps, financial problems Perhaps many things can we can be cumbered about. And we can actually they can actually lose our perspective on eternity. On actually what's going to matter in the end. When we're ushered usher into eternity. What's going to matter in the end? She momentarily forgot about those things, didn't she? And she it caused her much anxiety and fears, friends. And, on the uncertainties of this life. Well, the Saviour, dear friends, has his precious words to say to both you and I this morning from Matthew's Gospel eleven twenty-eight uh, through 30. Those precious words of the Saviour. Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Mary did. Come humbly before the Lord. When things are getting over your head, remember that you're under his feet. Learn of him. Put things into perspective. Submit under his sovereignty. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light, says the Saviour. Why carry Friends, these burdens on our shoulders in life, these many troubles that cumber us about, these many things in life that we go through, and we all go through them. There are many questions in life, there are many uncertainties in this life. Why why carry them alone when we have such a Saviour that is willing to take them upon His broad shoulders, who bore them at the cross of Calvary? Why do it? Why fear now and be overcome with the dark clouds of circumstance when there's a smiling Saviour behind that, ready to take on born those fears and those concerns, and give you eternal comfort and perspective, friends. Well I trust, dear friends, that we will hearken to the word of the Lord this day. The Lord says to Martha, doesn't he, in verse forty-one, Martha, Martha Thou art careful and troubled about many things. Take note, friends, that the Saviour says Martha twice here, doesn't he? And again, whenever the Lord emphasises something in Holy Scripture, he's saying something to us. Martha, Martha. He loved Martha. He has such affection to Martha. He cares for her soul. And he's, he's saying this to get through to her. To, to, to make her start to think spiritually, Martha, Martha, listen, listen to me. Think spiritually, Martha. Now, friends, it is not a sin to be careful and to be concerned about things. There are things which we are to be concerned about. There are things which we are to be troubled about at times. There are things to be careful and diligent about. Of course they are. However, there is, there is a danger, friends. Uh, and perhaps this can apply to certain people. There is a danger of being overly careful and excessively careful and getting overly anxious and overly stressed out and overly troubled about many things. In so that they start to take us away from the word of the living God and from humbly submitting and hearing his voice and from the matters of eternity. And Christ, there's a great danger, isn't there? You see, friends, even good, dutiful things can become our greatest snares when they're not put in their proper, orderly place. It is good, is it not, for a man to work hard for his family, to provide for his wife and for his children. That is a good thing. But if his work has caused him to become career-minded, to become overly ambitious and selfish, insomuch that he starts to neglect loving his wife, loving his children, all well, his work has become a snare then, hasn't it? It is good for a rich man, if he's been endowed with that, to be charitable and to give uh, freely and joyfully to the poor. But if he gives in order to take again, for the applause sake of In order to receive again the applause of men, he's a hypocrite, isn't he? It is good for a king to understand wisdom and equity and judgment, but if that wisdom puffs him up so that he's no longer willing to receive a gentle reproof, well then that wisdom, dear friends, is all for nothing, isn't it? Better is a living dog than a dead lion. Friends, we must understand that to be overly anxious and to be comforted about with many cares of this world, this passing, fleeting world, as it is a vapor, it's going to be over very quickly. This world is as a, a granular sand upon the seashore of eternity. It's going to go by very quickly, let me tell you. And to be overly anxious and comforted about with all these things. Dear friends, at the neglect of eternity, dear friends, well, this will take us away, won't it, from Christ's words, from holding to them, from being attentive to them, to to that which is truly needful to the greater part of who we are, soul. We're more soul than flesh, aren't we? And hence the say words to Martha in verse 42. But one thing is needful, says the Lord, and Mary have chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Friends, like I said, there are many things that can divide a man's heart, many things down here below, which, which friends, can take us away, can so divide a man's heart from humbly attending to the word of God like Mary did, from humbly submitting ourselves under the mighty hand of God, and humbling and being submissive and coming to the feet of Christ, as it were, trusting in his sovereignty, dear friend. One such thing is, dear friends, uh, is needful, that we do not give ourselves to excessive worrying and anxiety over things of this life, over things of the next life, of the eternity to come. The Saviour here is giving Martha heavenly perspective as he is giving us heavenly perspective here today. She was troubled and overly concerned about the many things of this world, the many passing fleeting things of this world and for a moment she started to lose her grip upon that which is truly going to matter. In the latter end, that which is truly going to last forever. And friends, this is what we need to do. We need to put things into perspective. The Lord here is teaching us put things into perspective. Stop and take account in your life. Are you listening to my words? Are you applying my words? Are you humbly coming? Stop for a moment. Take account. Where are you headed? Are you listening to my words? Are you taking hold upon my promises? My promises will never fail you. And for a moment she lost sight of that, didn't she? You see, friends, I'm sure Martha was not expecting the Lord to reprove her, to give this loving and gentle reproof. I mean, she accommodated the Lord, she was serving the Lord, she you know, that she put herself out, she was putting her, her house in danger in, in, in doing so, and so she really was not expecting this reproof from the Lord. In fact, she probably thought that the Lord would be applauding her and say, come on Mary, get up, help your sister. But that was not the case. But he did, out of love to her, correct her, as the Word of God does to us in these days. You see, Christ, friends, was not telling, telling Martha what she wanted to hear. He was telling her what she needed to hear, that which was beneficial to her soul. And mark that, friends. True Bible believing churches are those who tell the full counsel of Scripture. Yes, they speak of the love of Christ, but they also speak the truth, don't they? They speak of the vows of sin, how it's how destructive it is in our lives, how it destroys and breaks down every good thing. And so, dear friends, we see here that the Lord tells her what she truly needs. The Lord says, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. One thing, friends, is needful, to us, dear friends, and that is if we draw nigh to God, he promises us that he will draw nigh to us. If we draw close to him, if we so hear his voice, if we so believe in what he did on the cross, of Calvary for, for me, a hell-deserving sinner, and we truly trust in him, we, we're drawn to him, and we draw nigh to him, he, he promises to draw nigh to us. If we seek the pearl of great price, he promises that we shall find. If we turn from our sin and we forsake it, and we put in place those disciplines in our life, and we look to him, he promises that we will be found in him. That is a promise of God. He promises that. And God always keeps his promises, friends. If we, like Mary, humble ourselves in the, the mighty sight of God, Dear friends, we humble ourselves, we truly listen to his words, and seek to apply them. We're attentively gripped to them. Well, He will raise us up beyond our circumstances. And he will raise us up one day from the dead, so that we may be with him in paradise. He will lift us up, dear friends, beyond this world's temporary fleeting things. And he will lift us up when we breathe as it were our last last breath. Friends, Jesus Christ said to Martha later on in John's Gospel he said when Martha was concerned that her brother uh, was dead, he said and she was, again, this panic took over and Jesus said this, he said I am the resurrection and the life He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall live. You see, Lazarus was dead. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet he shall live. Jesus Christ lives today. He has risen and conquered sin. And death, our worst enemy that stalks us. He's conquered these things. He has made a way for us to be perfectly righteous and holy. He's reconciled us sinners to himself. He is the resurrection. That's why we've come this Lord's Day morning. This Christian Sabbath to gather in his name. To celebrate that indeed we worship a risen Savior. One who is risen now and has sat at the right hand of the Father. Full of glory and majesty who prays for his people, Who ever lives to intercede for his people. Do you believe in that, dear friends? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life? He's able to give you a new heart, a new life, give you a new start in life. He promises. If you believe he is the Christ, if you, if you truly believe that he is the Son of God and that he bore your sins on the cross of Calvary, and that they will be remembered no more when you trust that he is God. And that he was punished for your sins. And doubt with your sins there. The work of salvation is finished. He paid that full debt of our sin. He did it all. The saviour did it all. Do you believe in that friends? Have you humbled? Have you humbly heard the voice of Christ pleading with your heart? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of the living God? Do you believe that Jesus Christ was punished, not just for some of your sins, but every single one of your sins, past, present, and future? That's why he went. His perfect obedience makes up for your and my disobedience his righteousness. Remember righteousness is not only not doing that which is wrong, but it's doing that which is right. It's not only good for me not to steal, but it's good for me to give, to do that which is right. He always did that which is right. His righteousness is imputed upon the believer when he believes in the name of Christ. He bore my sin. He is my righteousness. Abraham believed in the Lord. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. You see, the righteousness of Christ is imputed to the believer. And so when God sees a repenting, hell-deserving, vile sinner, and he truly looks to Christ, he re- truly, sincerely repents of his sins, and he wholeheartedly believes in Christ as a Savior, Christ doesn't see that person sin anymore. He sees the imputed righteousness of the Son put upon him, spotless, as white as snow again. Remember, no more. The work is finished. Complete and utter work of salvation, justification by faith alone in Christ alone. The true doctrines of the Scripture. Do you believe that He was punished for your sins, every single one of them, every single one? It is finished. Do you believe it? Have you gone to the cross? Have you gone to the foot of the cross? Has there been a moment in your life when you've truly, the Word of God has so struck your heart and you've truly trusted in Him and you've put your faith in Him and that's changed your heart, it's changed your life and the Spirit of God has quickened you, given you a new heart to love Him, to believe in Him. You have faith in Him, you walk by faith now. Do you believe that he was punished for every one of your sins? God the Father punished his own Son, the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God soaked up all the sins of all those who had come to believe in him by faith. Do you believe in it? Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Do you believe that that he satisfied, Jesus Christ satisfied God's justice? You won't hear this from any pulpits today. God is not only a God of love, He's a God of justice. He's a just God. Every single sin has to be dealt with. Not one white lie, not one adulterous thought, not one breaking of on the Sabbath will go unpunished. Think about that. Pause for a moment. Not one sin will go unpunished because He's a just God. He's a God of justice. He has to deal with that do you believe in God's justice? If you do, you'll understand that you in no wise can please God in yourself. Because you're a sinner, so am I. We break God's law every day if we're honest with God from our hearts. God's holy
1: justice must be
0: satisfied. That's why the obedient, spotless, pure of lamb who John's said, I'm not able to even i loo- latch. He is so holy. His je- his uh his <laughs> doing well with this. Righteousness. His righteousness. He must satisfy. God's justice must be satisfied. Christ satisfied God's justice. If you truly believe in him, if you're truly trusting in him, do you believe he rose over sin, the world, the devil, and death. He conquered all those things for us. Do you believe in that? Every single sin. The consequences of sin. Death. That's why we die. Because of our sin. The world, the devil. He has the victory over all these things. We are more than conquerors. How can you be more than a conqueror? A conqueror someone who's won the victory already. How, how can we be more than a conqueror? Christ. Do you believe in that? Do you believe that he rose for your sins, that you're justified in him? If you do, you'll be born again, like the scriptures teach. You'll be born of the Holy Spirit of God. And you start, a new beginning in life. Do you believe to believe? Do you believe as dear friends, that Jesus Christ is your own personal Saviour. That you can now come to Him through the Spirit because you have access now to God. If you're not a believer, you cannot have access to God. But if, if you truly believe in Him and you're repenting of your sins, and you and like I've explained the gospel, and you have this access because you're made holy, you're made righteous, you're justified. And so you have this access, this vertical access, and then, and then God will hear your voice. Then He will hear your cry. Then your righteousness will, will come as the light, as it were. And then you'll see those answers to your prayer. And then your prayers will be more spiritual and less carnal, less selfish, friends. Then you will pray for humbling those things which are good for us. Do you believe in it, friends? Do you believe in him as your own personal saviour? Well, I hope and trust that we are all here. If we have not yet done, I all trust by God's mercy and grace that we will all come to know the Lord as our own personal saviour. Amen.